He's a robot. He's a jet. There's more than meets the eye in this week's game, Thexter. Welcome to episode 5 of Like a DOS, the podcast on which I play, discuss, and review MS-DOS games released for the IBM PC and compatibles. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on today's episode of Like a DOS, I will be discussing Thexter. Now, before we get started, I'd like to remind everyone about my Patreon page. If you'd like to find out more about supporting me on Patreon, that includes supporting Like a DOS and all my other podcasts, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara for more details. All my patrons get behind-the-scenes blog posts, weekly rando Rob videos, access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, and other additional perks. I know 4 bucks a month may not sound like it would make a difference, but it all adds up and really helps small independent shows like this one with podcast-relating costs. Again, that URL is patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. If you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hara at robohara.com. Join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash robcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore. Come chat with me on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server or leave me a message on my podcast hotline, which is 405-486-YDKF. When I think about the game Thexter, I think about the first time that I saw the game, which was at my friend Lewis's house. I think what stuck with me about this game over the years is that not only was this a Transformers game, more or less, it was a game where you could transform from a jet into a robot and back, but I seem to remember this being the first arcade-style platform game that we played on the IBM PC, and so I think that's why all these years later I have such great memories of this game. Thexter was originally published for MS-DOS in 1987 by Sierra Online. It is a game for one player that uses joystick or keyboard controls. Uh, again, this was, game was published by Sierra Online. I talked a little bit about Sierra on episode two of Like a DOS, where we reviewed the Incredible Machine game. Uh, this game was actually developed by a company named Game Arts. They were a Japanese. Japanese, I say were, they are a Japanese video game developer located in Tokyo. They were founded in 1985, and they are still in business today. Thexter was their first breakthrough game, and many of their titles were released first in Japan, but translated to English by Working Designs. Some of the game arts developed games you may have heard of include Slipheed, Lunar the Silver Star, Sim Earth, The Living Planet, Rise of the Dragon, Grandia, and surprisingly, the Nintendo Wii hit Super Smash Bros. Brawl. Uh, game Arts' website is still online today. It is at gamearts.co.jp if you want to check them out. Uh, unfortunately, it is in Japanese. Thexter is described as a two-dimensional scrolling platform shooter. That's a lot of genres 
all tossed into one description. Uh, the basic objective of the game is to work your way through 15 levels by shooting enemies, collecting energy, and finding the exit. After defeating 15 levels, you will reach the final level in which you must defeat the evil computer that is generating all the enemies on the previous 15 levels. <laughs> um, in Japan... Fighting robots, sometimes referred to as mechs, were popular thanks to manga and anime comic books. Uh, there were comics and cartoons like Gundam and Robotech that had brought mechs into the mainstream. Uh, in the United States, we had Shogun Warriors in the late 70s and early 80s. Of course, eventually we had cartoons and comics like Voltron, the GoBots, and the Transformers, uh, which really brought this concept of large fighting robots that could transform into vehicles into the mainstream. Game Data originally developed and released this game for the NEC PC-88, sometimes the 8801 it is listed as, in 1985. Uh, so this game was a hit, but only originally in Japan. In Japan, they sold 500,000 copies of Thexter before it was ever exported. Uh, they licensed the game to Square, who you may have heard of, uh, for a Famicom conversion. Of course, Square is probably better well-known for their Final Fantasy games. Uh, game Data went back and developed a MSX version in 1987, which again uh, just increased the game's popularity and awareness in Japan. But that same year, they licensed the game to Sierra Online to release in uh, Western countries. Uh, that ended up Getting the game ported to this version, the PC, uh, there's a Tandy Coco 3 version, uh, and many other systems, which we'll talk about later in the show. Uh, ultimately, in 1988, it was released for the Amiga, but in Europe only. Uh, now, again, it wasn't really until the MSX version that this game became a huge hit, and by 1990, it had sold over a million copies. So this was a very successful game, both in Japan and in the United States. Taking a look at the box and manual, the front of the box is very iconic. I remember seeing this uh, as a child and seeing this in advertisements and seeing it today. Uh, it, it's very recognizable. Of course, across the top of the box, you have the word Thexter in those uh, very iconic late 80s chrome letters. Uh, and then we have a picture of Thexter standing there in robot form. He looks very much like one of the Robotech uh, robots, you know, in a, you could tell that when this thing transforms, it is going to be a jet. It has a lot of characteristics um, of, of a jet fighter plane. The back of the box, I think, is a masterpiece in marketing. <laughs> so I'm going to go over several of the things uh, featured on the back of the box. Uh, again, at the top, we have Thexter rendered in some three-dimensional uh, chrome letters. 
And uh, like most software boxes, we have uh, some screenshots of the game running down the side with some text uh, referring to the game. But the text in on this box is just so iconic. I love it so much. Uh, the first paragraph says, A New Standard in Action Games. That's in bold. And below that it says... Direct from Japan, where game design is treated as an art form, comes Thexter, an arcade game by which all others will soon be judged. Thexter offers more music, animation, and gameplay than you ever thought possible from a computer game. I mean, that's a pretty lofty description of this game. Uh, Again, going back, number one, uh, it says direct from Japan, where game design is treated as an art form. So that already sets this um, bar high. It tells you that this is not just going to be some cruddy looking game. (laughs) This is uh, comes from the land where games are art. Uh, And then it says uh, comes Thexter, an arcade game. So that's interesting that they use the word arcade. They don't say action. They don't say platform. So it's not limited to a genre. They say an arcade game, which really plants this idea that it's going to be the same quality as the games uh, that kids like myself were playing in arcades. And then it says it is an arcade game by which all others will soon be judged. <laughs> in other words, this game is not just good. It is so great that years from now, people will just compare their game to Thexter. Like, well, is this game as good as Thexter? I don't know. Uh, and then again, it offers more music, more animation, and more gameplay than you ever thought possible from a computer game. Uh, I will give them some uh, leniency because you got to go back to 1987 when this game came out for the PC. Um, you know, this this predates a lot of uh, action platform games that we saw later come out for the PC. Um, but does it offer more gameplay than I ever thought possible from a computer? I don't know about that. Does it offer more music? Than I thought was possible. We're going to talk about the music here uh, momentarily. Uh, so anyway, I want to talk some more about things that are on the back of this box. And again, the next uh, header says, designed for the next generation of computers. Thexter was created for second generation computers with 16-bit processors and advanced animation capabilities. The fine detailing of the artwork fully exploits the increased graphics capabilities now of Available and the music, perfectly choreographed to reflect the action during play, will rival anything you've ever heard before. Uh, I'm gonna drop just a little bit of the music uh, sampling right here. So back to the first paragraph, does that offer more music than I thought possible from a computer? Not so much. (laughs) This is two years after uh, the Amiga came out. So having heard, uh, you know, mod music with digital samples, this doesn't really... uh, surpass that, in my opinion. Uh, The same thing about... uh, I just don't feel like it rivals anything I've ever heard before. Let's let's put it nicely. 
next section. Thexter offers a unique challenge. That is true. Uh, in Thexter, players are given the chance to pilot a robot through multiple attack scenarios. The battlefields include caves, vast cargo holds, and spaceship interiors. The robot also has the unique ability to transform into a fighter jet and back again at the touch of a button. Over 20 different types of aliens will do battle with you, and the challenge and music escalates as the game progresses. Uh, again, video games back in the 80s really had to paint some of the game's picture with the words that came with it, whether those words were in the manual or in the actual game itself, or as in this case, right on the back of the box. So uh, it says that this game has multiple battlefields, including caves, vast cargo holds, and spaceship interiors. When you play Thexter, there is no point where you would see a level and say, oh, that must be a vast cargo hold, <laughs> or that must be a spaceship interior. It's mostly the same tile, slightly different tiles with different colors. So um, it's uh, uh, a lot of descriptive words that are a bit more descriptive than the graphics that we get in the game. Thexter, an action game for today's computer owner. It has been well over a decade since Americans were first introduced to computerized action games in the local arcades. Although the arcade game has almost disappeared here, the Japanese have continued their love affair with this form of recreation. Thexter reflects the maturity and refinement of almost two decades of arcade playing. Its colorful animation and hypnotic music will seduce even the most jaded computer owner into playing action games once again. So again, there's the selling point that uh, Thexter and Game Arts uh, is going to save arcade games through the release of Thexter. Uh, we used to play arcade games. They went away, but by golly, this is going to bring even the most jaded computer owner back into playing action games. Again, a uh, really hard sell on the back of this box. Uh, then it says over one half million units sold for home computers. Dexter has proven to be one of the all-time best-selling arcade games in its country of origin. With its conversion to American machines, Thexter may just become one of the best-selling computer games worldwide. Thexter comes to America courtesy of Sierra, a publisher of quality computer entertainment products for over seven years. And then at the bottom, uh, we have a little... Uh, blurb about Game Arts, it says, Dexter was originally designed and programmed by Game Arts, a top publisher of recreational software in Japan. Sierra is very honored to be associated with this talented group of software artists. <laughs> that sounds like something that Game Arts wrote. <laughs> um, you know, it's like when you write your own bio and you go, this amazing person. <laughs> Uh, of course, then at the bottom, we do have uh, the small uh, Sierra logo at the very bottom. It says copyright 1987. But I just love the way this is written. And, you know, it really is a throwback to the days where media was a physical and tactile experience. As a child, I remember going into... 
Toys R Us and looking at game boxes and and, and um, reading the the verbiage that was on the front and on the back and looking at the screenshots or going into the mall, going into um, you know EB Games, uh, Electronic Boutique, and uh, just just picking up our Babbage's, you know, and and it was just that that thing, and and of course. I could talk a lot more about going into record stores and, and it's the same type of thing where you would go in and, and pick up a cassette or pick up a an album and look at the artwork and it's so different today. Like I don't get that feeling through digital purchases. So this is just a really cool thing, you know. Um they they've you could you could almost imagine the scenario of someone going into a computer store and picking this box up and looking on the um uh, the backside and uh, uh, just really getting a lot of cool information from looking directly at the box. Now, inside the box is a small manual. This is uh, not even really a manual. It's just um, uh, two sheets that are folded over. But there's a lot of information uh, that that you'll need to know to play this game. And so I want to talk a little bit about the uh, manual, which also explains quite a bit about the game. Uh, we have the same graphic that we have on the outside of the box, and it says Thexter Super Assault Vehicle. So now we're going to learn a little bit more about Thexter. Thexter is a hyper dual armor robot jet transformer. Uh, I want to mention the fact that twice so far, the actual game has used the word transformer, but both times it's lowercase. So they don't want to confuse, I guess, players with the fact this is not uh, from the actual show Transformers, uh, and you can't really copyright the or trademark a lowercase transformer because what you're saying is this is something that transforms. It is a transformer. Um, but by using that word, it instantly conveys to players what this is. This is a large robot that turns into something else. Armed with heat-seeking lasers and touch-controlled flight mechanisms, Thexter is the ultimate fighting machine. There is only one Thexter in existence, and you are the proud pilot at its control. Be careful. If disaster falls upon your vehicle, there will be no replacements, and your mission will be terminated. Uh, this is a nice way of saying you get one life in this game. So this is not a game where you get multiple lives. This is a game where there is a energy bar. And when the energy bar gets to zero, Thexter is dead. Game over. It says right there, there are no replacement Thexters. Uh, there's more in this manual. I'm not going to read it right now, but there's a little bit about the scoring. There's about how the energy works, how the N-Max, which is uh, a, a part of the, the gameplay. And then there are some additional tips, which I'll talk about later. But all that stuff is uh, right there in the manual. Also included in the manual uh, are instructions on how to make a copy of your original disc. Uh, it's interesting in this first version of Thexter, I believe the second version, the sequel of Thexter, which I'll talk about later, had a code wheel or a manual type copy protection. But in this version, it says, hey, just make a copy and play off your backup. And then towards the very bottom, it says, uh, put in your backup, type Thexter and press enter, which is how you would load the game. And then it says, 
you will be prompted to briefly swap the disk at drive A with your original program master so that authenticity may be verified. <laughs> so even though you were playing off of a backup copy, you had to put your original in every time for it to verify that you had purchased the game, which is kind of interesting. Uh, it also has the ability to install uh, to a hard drive, and there are instructions uh, to include that. Now, one of the interesting things down here, and this is such a small nitpicky thing, but as a guy uh, who loves words and reading words, uh, under how to play it says, when the game opens, you are the pilot of a Thexter super assault vehicle. That's so interesting that they put the letter A in front of that. So you are, so it's not like Thexter is the thing's name, I guess is what I'm saying. Because in the other thing, it says you are in control of Thexter, which is like saying, you know, you're driving a, or you're, you're driving, I don't want to say a Ford, because that would be like what this says. You are the pilot of a Thexter super assault vehicle. Um, but if it, if the thing's name were Thexter, it would say you are the pilot of Thexter, comma, a super assault vehicle. So Thexter is more like the model. It's not like the thing's name, which is um, at least based off of what that one line is. Now, in some parts of the menu, uh, manual, it does say uh, you're controlling Thexter, and in some it says you're controlling a Thexter. So uh, just a very slight variation, uh, and it, it's you know one of those things that it's a very, very, very small detail, um, but it, then it makes me think, you know, it's like you're driving Chevy versus you're driving a Chevy, you know, whereas, you know, I don't know. It just it just implies uh, that there's one or that it's the name of one thing. Uh, at the end of the manual, it does tell us what the PC requirements are. And essentially, it says three and a half inch disc, MS-DOS, and EGA. When you load Thexter, you are presented immediately with uh, two options. Number one, press one for EGA graphics, high-res mode with PC speaker sound. Number two is VGA, low-res mode with Tandy sound. So that's kind of interesting option, and I don't know enough about uh, the technical limitations to know why it would be done this way. So you can basically have EGA, uh, and then it says high-res. So it's more resolution, but, of course, lower, uh, fewer colors. Uh, or the second one is VGA, and then it says low-res, of course, but you get more colors. And so when you play the two versions, you could definitely tell a difference. I'll be mostly talking about the EGA version on this episode. Uh, and again, on the first one, you get a PC speaker sound, uh, which I played a little bit of what the music sounded like. On the second one, you get a Tandy sound, which is um, a little better. It has uh, It's more like the PC Junior's sound, sound capability. So, uh, in fact, what I'll do right here is drop in just a, a brief version of each of the musical tones, just so you can hear the difference. The first is the uh, EGA PC speaker version. And then this is the Tandy sound version. Thank you. 
The next question you'll be asked is whether or not you have a joystick. Thexter does support a joystick. Uh, playing with a joystick definitely gives it a more arcade feel, but at that time, not everyone had a joystick on their IBM PC, and so you can also play this just using a keyboard. Once you've answered those questions, you will reach the title screen. We have this uh, strange landscape. We have the word Thexter across the top in those chrome letters. And then this is uh, when we get, I believe it's Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata. Uh, Moonlight Sonata is mentioned multiple times throughout the manual. Uh, you'll see that everywhere. So they were very proud of the fact that they put that song into this game. Now, what classical music has to do with a giant laser shooting fighting robot no idea but it's there and they're very proud of the fact uh, if you let it sit at the title screen long enough you will get a demo of the game it will start playing itself it'll play through a level and then eventually it will get to a credit screen to show uh, the game's credits before cycling back through this uh, until you uh, press a key and start the game now, once the game starts, uh, you will see the level, which again is made up of um, grids of blocks, uh, which made the game easy to scroll in all four directions. Uh, you'll see Thexter standing there. He originally begins the game in his robot mode. And then across the bottom of the screen, we have some information. We have our energy bar, uh, which has, in the worst case, red and then yellow, and then most of it is green. We have our shield percentage, and then we have our score, the level we're on, and NMAX. Now, NMAX uh, is explained in the manual, and NMAX stands for uh, your energy max. So you can increase the amount of energy um, in this game. Now, your uh, energy is decreased anytime you touch one of the enemies, anytime you touch uh, one of the hazards in the game, like there's lava pits and, and things like that, uh, that you may accidentally touch. Um, but you also lose energy as you shoot your laser. Uh, the manual says your energy loss is two points of energy loss for every 30 shots taken. Um, and, uh, also your energy goes down when you, uh, use your shields. Every time you use the shield, you lose, uh, 10 points. Now, um, your energy, your overall energy maximum or your N max can be increased through the game. Certain creatures that you shoot will increase. <laughs> this is kind of complicated, but it's not that complicated when you're playing. Um, but, uh, your N max level will increase over time. Some creatures will increase your overall, um, N max number when you, uh, complete a level, your NMAX goes up by 10 points. Um, if you complete a level without using your shield, your NMAX goes up uh, 20 points. And your NMAX never actually goes down. And you could get your NMAX up from, I think it starts at 100. You could get it all the way up to 500. So part of the strategy of this game is building up a higher uh, NMAX number so that you can have higher energy levels like a bigger reservoir basically of the energy so that you could get further and further into the game if that makes sense as i mentioned the graphics are slightly different uh, depending on which version of the game i'm playing the ega version here so uh the colors are not uh the palette is not as deep as on the tandy version 
Um, but the graphics are very detailed, and you can see everything about Thexter. You can see little details. Uh, the background is mostly black, and then the parts of the platforms uh, are like done in a grid. They're done in like block tiles. Um, so it's very simplistic looking. I mean, as you know, the back of that, again, going back to the back of the box, you know, it was uh, better graphics and detailed animation than you would ever imagine uh, you would ever see on a computer. And I don't feel like it quite <laughs> lives up uh, to, to that uh, level. Uh, the music in the game in the traditional DOS version is a one-channel sound. Uh, it is a song that is being played essentially one note at a time, so there are no chords. It sounds very reminiscent of PC speaker music from that time. Uh, and not only does it play the same song or what sounds like the same song over and over and over while you're playing. Um, but every time that you shoot, which is a lot, the music stops playing. So this game's engine, for whatever reason, cannot handle playing music and sound effects at the same time. So there are constantly breaks in the music. Uh, I mean, literally constant every time that you shoot or that something blows up uh it stops playing the music to play those sound effects um sound effects might be a little bit of a stretch for that term uh, there are no sound effects uh for example when you transform from the robot to the jet and back that would have been a really cool thing to put in there um you really get this high planking sound when you are shooting and then you get a quick low sound when things explode. Um, but that's pretty much it. So neither of those are very pleasant to listen to. Uh, and they break up the sound of the music all the time. So uh, when combined, it sounds like this. Now, as I mentioned, this game can be played with a joystick, but if you don't have a joystick, you can use your keyboard to play the game. If you have a traditional uh, PC keyboard, you will control Thexter with the number pad. Uh, if you have uh, an older computer like that Tandy or a, it says PC Junior in the manual that does not have a number pad, uh, then you can play using the nine, like a nine key grid starting with the letter P being in the upper left hand corner. So the top row would be P open bracket, close bracket. And then the middle row is L semicolon. Uh, I guess that's a, a comma. And then uh, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> then on the bottom, we've got M comma and period. So uh, yeah, it's a, uh, oh, I guess that was a colon up there. Uh, I don't know. My keyboard's in a really bad spot. The point is, uh, you have a um, this little. Oh, I see. It's a, a slash is down there in the bottom right hand corner. So anyway, you can just imagine uh, this little grid uh, that is in the middle of your keyboard that you can use. In addition to those keys, you're going to need the space bar to fire. You're going to need Z to activate your shields. Escape will pause the action. S 
toggles sound on and off. M toggles the music on and off. Now, when you are in robot mode to transform to the jet, you can press any of the down keys. So that would be diagonal down left, straight down, or diagonal down right. Those will turn you into the jet. Um, to turn from the jet back into the robot, either hit the ground or press the opposite direction you are going while traveling horizontal. So if you're going right, just hit left and you'll turn into the robot. Uh, left, you would hit right. And then again, if you run into the ground, you turn into the robot. This control scheme until you get used to it is very, very frustrating. And what it leads to is you as Thixter the robot turning into the jet and immediately turning back into the robot a hundred times in a row. <laughs> For example, if you're running to the right and uh, there are things coming up from your left and you want to attack them with the jet, you can press down, turn into the jet and then press left, which you would think would turn you around as the jet, but it doesn't uh, because it's the opposite direction. So it immediately turns you back into the robot. Or if you're trying to go through one of the, the mazes on the platform and you uh, turn into the jet and you're flying through and then you accidentally hit down, uh, then you hit the ground, you turn into the robot. It, it's very uh, frustrating. If you watch playthroughs of this game on YouTube, you will watch players over and over go robot, jet, robot, jet, robot, jet. And you wonder if you, if you don't, if you've never played the game, you wonder why are they doing that? But that's what's happening. It's because it's very easy to accidentally change, uh, from one configuration to the other accidentally. Now, so the actual gameplay, you start off as Thexter, as I mentioned, you start in a platform level and uh, you have multiple goals on each level. The first is to literally find the exit. The exit is in a different place and this is a large, large scrolling platform level. So it's not like you can see the exit. You're going to have to hunt all around and go find this exit. While you're doing that, uh, you will see lots and lots of enemies, which you will need to shoot. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about how this game actually works. Uh, if, if you think about any game you've ever played where you walk around and you shoot enemies, this game doesn't work that way. Uh, this game has a auto targeting system, which is always on. So when, uh, you as Thexter walk into a new area and there are 10 enemies, all you will do is hold down the shoot button and your laser will shoot each one of those enemies, but it will alternate between them. So if there are five enemies, it'll start shooting enemy one, then two, then three. Now you haven't killed enemies one or two. It's your laser is just scanning every enemy. So it'll go one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. And then maybe they've taken enough damage where the next time one and it dies, two dies, three dies, four dies, five dies. Um, it's a very strange system that's very unique to Thexter. So in one way, you think that sounds pretty easy. Um, I mean, that sounds convenient to walk into a room and just have this laser automatically target everyone. But uh, the laser doesn't automatically target whatever's closest to you. So if you walk into a new area and 10 enemies appear and they all begin flying towards you and there's one that's really close 
after your laser shoots that one, it's going to start shooting all these other ones that are in the back or on the top of the screen while the first one is flying at you and will eventually hit you and take away your energy. So there is no good way to specifically target an enemy in robot mode. Um, it works similarly. Uh, I mean, it works the same way when you're in the jet mode, except for now you're also moving all the time, which makes it even more difficult. So the shooting and targeting in Thexter, uh, I won't say it's bad. It's not that it's bad. It's actually quite fun, and, and um, uh, but it's very interesting, and it's very unique. There aren't a lot of other games that I can think of where you walk in and you just immediately target everybody, you know, um, and, and not in not in parallel, <laughs> in serial. So uh, again, in those rooms where there's a lot of enemies, you kind of it's easier if you're standing off to the side, like in a little tunnel or an area where you're protected, and you can kind of attack them in small groups because when they all show up, uh, Thexter will just attack them one at a time in seemingly random fashion and not uh, usually the ones that you want to target. Um, now, in addition to this, these levels are laid out where they scroll in all four directions. Now, um, Thexter in robot form can jump pretty high, but there are a lot of areas that you will need to be configured as the jet to access. There are lots of passageways that are simply too tall for Thexter the robot to get into. So you'll need to be in the jet mode to get those areas. And again, there are uh, you, you can't stand still as the jet. Uh, and if you press the wrong direction, you'll turn into the robot. So, so clearing some rooms as the jet just takes uh, a lot of practice to get used to the controls. Uh, I played it with both the joystick and the keyboard, and I didn't seem to do better with uh, one or the other. I, I like those videos, the playthroughs that I saw online. I constantly was uh, pressing the wrong direction and accidentally transforming uh, just repeatedly. Um, now, not every enemy you encounter shoots or attacks. So one of the pieces of advice that appear in the manual says that you can save energy by not attacking all the enemies. Um, I was usually in such a panic on every level that I didn't have the time to figure out which enemies would shoot me and which ones wouldn't. So I pretty much shot all the enemies. Um, but if you could figure out which ones will give you that in-max bonus and which ones aren't going to shoot, then if you're going to try to actually beat this game, that would probably um, be useful information. But essentially, that's the game. You've got 15 levels. Each one is different. Uh, the layouts are different. The colors are different. And that is the goal, as uh, Thexter is to go through the levels to try to maintain as much energy as possible to defeat all these enemies and to find the goal uh, the exit so that you can make it to the, the next level. And as I mentioned uh, early in the show, once you've beaten all 15 levels, there is a 16th final level where you will have one big boss to fight towards the end. And that uh, once you beat that boss, you have actually won the game. Uh, so how did Thexter get reviewed back in the day? This is very interesting. There's something interesting going on here. A happy computer magazine gave Thexter 87 out of 100. A joystick magazine gave it 70 out of 100. And ASM magazine gave it 63 out of 100. So all 
relatively positive scores, some higher than others. Um, but if you start to look at reviews later, uh, for example, there's a review in the All Game Guide from 1998, and they gave Thixter a 30 out of 100. So what's going on here? And as I look through some of the reviews, what I believe to be true is that when people first played Thexter, uh, it was different than other platform games. It was unique. And so I think people saw it as a unique challenge. Again, uh, possibly they bought into some of this marketing that's on the back of the box about how, uh, you know, gaming is an art <laughs> and how this is an amazing game. But I think over the years, I don't know how well it has aged. Now, I enjoyed playing it over the past week or past couple of weeks because I played it as a kid and I remember playing this game and, and thinking it was challenging. But one of the things that you see when you play games from a lot of different eras is uh, ideas that are introduced that didn't catch on. Uh, for example, you might see games where you get three tries to do something and then you're dead versus games where you got one try and then died immediately. Well, those games weren't as popular. And so that was an idea that wasn't carried on into modern gaming. Whereas giving uh, players multiple lives to attempt to do something or being able to continue, for example, uh, is a convention that did catch on. So I think there are a lot of unique things in Thexter, the firing system, the transforming system that probably seemed very unique and good to players in the late 80s, but over time, the more that you play it, uh, those conventions didn't catch on with other games. And if you play Thexter, <laughs> you'll start to realize why. Now, Thexter was just uh, the first game in a series of Thexter games. There aren't too many, uh, but there was a sequel called Thexter 2 Firehawk, which was released for DOS. Uh, MSX, uh, the PC-88, and that was released just a few years later in 1989 and 1990. Uh, after that, there was a remake of the game called Thexter 95, which was released around the time Windows 95 uh, was released. One of the interesting things about that is that it uses different windows inside windows as part of the game. There are status windows and map windows, uh, and each window inside windows can be resized and moved around. So that's a, a unique gaming idea. Uh, if you really want to see what Thexter could have been and really what it became, you should check out Thexter Neo. A Thexter Neo is a downloadable game that was available on the PSP and the PlayStation 3 in the 2009-2010 era. This uh, is really, if you want to see a great version of Thexter, it's got a lot of parallax scrolling. It's got uh, all this like super modern graphics. It's really, really fun. And that original gameplay of Thexter is still there underneath. It's Thexter, but it's a super updated, really cool. If you're not, don't have a way to obtain those uh, and just want to see what they look like, I highly recommend going on YouTube and looking at gameplay videos of Thexter and then go look up Thexter Neo, uh, which confusingly is not for the Neo Geo. Uh, but again, it was a, a Sony uh, PlayStation version, Thexter Neo, and you can compare the two and they look really great. 
Uh, as for the original, again, we talked about how it was originally released uh, for the, the PC-88 in Japan, uh, but it did find its way through all those different marketing deals to many different systems. Uh, ultimately, it was released for the Amiga, the Apple II, a separate version for the Apple II GS, the FM7, there's a Macintosh version, again, we talked about MSX, uh, this says NES, but the NES, that technically means means Famicom. It was not released, I don't believe, for the English uh, or the U.S. market. It's only a Famicom version. Uh, PC-8000, PC-88, PC-98, the Sharp MZ, the Sharp X1, and of course the TRS-80 Coco. If you would like to own an original copy of Thexter, the amount you're going to pay depends on which platform you're interested in owning it for. I found copies that have sold for the Famicom on eBay for as low as $5. The Coco version sold for about $20 over the last month. The version for the Macintosh sold for $50. Now, there is a 2GS copy that just sold for $125, and the last complete boxed version for the PC sold for $130. Now, there was one sale of Thexter, a complete inbox, uh, not, not sealed, but a complete inbox version for the PC that sold for $444, but whatever I see, that's really an outlier. I, I don't see other sales going that high. They, they, uh, uh, average seems to be in the hundred to one hundred and fifty dollar version for a uh, dollar range for for a PC version. Now let's talk a little bit about my personal memories of Thexter. So at the top of the show, I mentioned my friend Lewis. Now, Lewis uh, was a classmate of mine. We met, I believe, in seventh grade or possibly eighth grade. Uh, I had a lot of interests as a kid, and one of my interests was Dungeons and Dragons. And so I remember going on a school field trip, riding a bus, and seeing Lewis having the brand new AD&D Oriental Adventures manual, which was a, an AD&D manual that allowed you to expand uh, your campaign and add character classes like samurais and ninjas. And there's a great, this great artwork on the front. And uh, so, of course, I was into uh, Dungeons and Dragons, but I was also into ninjas and things like that. So that is really how Lewis and I met and how we hit it off um in oklahoma you could get a motorcycles driver's license at the age of 14 two years before a car driver's license and so lewis was the only other person i knew who had a motorcycle license at 14 we both had motorcycle licenses and we both had motorcycles so um, at an age when none of my other friends could drive or go places, Lewis could, and so could I. And so um, that was really uh, our relationship was that we could both go places on motorcycles. We would go music shopping or we would go to, uh, you know, local radio shack or whatever. Um, and so that was, uh, uh, you know, how we hit it off. We also both like skateboarding. And we would take our skateboards on our motorcycles and, and go uh, to this ditch and go skateboarding. But uh, 
Lewis also had a Tandy computer in his room. Now, I had a Commodore 64 in my room, but in our living room, uh, we had our IBM computer. And so um, while my like my friends Jeff and Andy also had Commodore computers, and so they were my Commodore buddies, but Lewis was my IBM buddy. And so uh, we would create, you know, um, trade games. I would download things. He would download games. But uh, we had our, our computer had, I don't think we had VGA graphics at that point. So I was playing EGA and CGA games, but his Tandy had much better graphics and sound uh, than we had. So like I remember downloading California games and it looked pretty cruddy on my PC, but over at Lewis's house, it looked great and sounded great. And that was the case with Dexter. So, uh, I, I don't even remember if we had a joystick at that point in time on our PC, but Lewis had a joystick. He had that Tandy computer that had great graphics and sound. And so, uh, we played a lot of Dexter in his bedroom. And so when I see this game, that is one of the two people that I will always think of. Uh, the other one is my friend Scott, uh, someone who I've met through this podcast and uh, who signed up for my Patreon. He goes by Drezu, um, which it took me forever to figure out until he pointed it out. It's the word wizard backwards. Um, but uh, uh, at uh, Drezu, went to boat fest. I went to boat fest and he brought a large box of some of his old, uh, big box PC games and Amiga games. And one of the ones he had was Dexter. And so I was so excited to see the original box. I hadn't seen or, or held the original box in, in a long, long time. And, uh, just being able to look at that. And so, uh, before, he left before uh, we all left Boat Fest. Uh, Drezu gave me his copy of Thexter. I still haven't unpacked all my Boat Fest stuff. I have a couple of tubs uh, of stuff that ended up in the workshop, and I've been working on some different projects. I need to unpack everything, but uh, the the copy of Thexter is in there, and so I've got a space waiting for it right here on my software shelves. I'm excited to. Um, to go get that and put that on display. And that is the other person. Whenever I see or think of Thexter, I will always think of that as a very generous act. And um, uh, I enjoy, you know, having those games where when you look at the game, like I have a lot of game boxes uh, over the years. Uh, maybe you've done this too. I've collected uh, game boxes. Like I found in a King's Quest at a thrift store, I found um, a Mortal Kombat at a thrift store, and so when I get when I see those, I'm taken back to when I played it, to who I played it with, what computer I played it on. Uh, it really uh, strikes that nostalgic chord. And then I have some titles that I picked up that I have no nostalgia for, and they're just shelf filler, you know. And really, as I get more titles that bring back that nostalgia and bring back those memories. I'll pull that shelf filler off and pass it on to somebody that maybe um, has memories of, of those titles. And so, uh, but Dexter is one that every time I look at that box, I know I'm just going to be reminded of uh, going to Lewis's house and playing that game. And, uh, and really just that fun era where the PC was beginning or trying to show uh, you know, their games weren't as good as the Commodore 64 at that time. Their games weren't as good as the Amiga by far, but they were starting to show, uh, 
that they were eventually going to be a force to be reckoned with in home computing and gaming. Thanks for checking out Like and DOS. What did you think of this episode's game? What was your favorite DOS game? Send your thoughts to me at Rob O'Hara at RobOHara.com. You can also add your thoughts on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash RobCast. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore. Come chat with me on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord or leave me a message on the podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. All supporters of my podcast's All of my Patreon supporters get behind-the-scenes blog posts, weekly videos, access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, and other additional perks. To find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. Like a DOS is available from iTunes, the official Amigos podcast feed at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast, and the RSS feed at podcast.robohara.com. That's where you can find information about all my podcasts, including Sprite Castle, You Don't Know Flat, Cactus Flax, Throwback Reviews, Multiple Sadness, and Like a DOS. Thanks again for joining me on this show where I talk about old DOS games like a DOS. Finally, this podcast would not be possible without the support of Patreon listeners like these. For my 8-bit supporters, that includes Alan Hennessy, Alan Hudgens, Armadon Restle, Brian Barr, Chris Fold, C-Dubs, Cowbird Boy, Dan Paradroid Heavey, Daniel Jaleppa, Dave Velociraptor, Dave Zilly, Happy Birthday Dave, David Hearn, David Modelak, Eric Stryanisi, Extent to the Jam, Gabe DeGenero, Garrett Allier, Gary Heather, Hacker Radio, Jake Nonamaker, Jason Warns, John Bodekar Schaller, John Treholt, Jose Cazada, Joshua Ekroth, Mark Alley, Matthew Perron, Mike McLaughlin, Mitsuyama, Mr. Bundy, Nathan Dagenhart, Olav Hope, Patrick Markey, Paul Morano, Petzl, Rad Max, Rydar and Christopher Bow, Retro Trace, Robbie Ray, Robot Doctor 82, Scott Lambert, Scott Meredith, Scrap Arcade, Stephen Bird, Steve Rasmussen, The Slow Norris, Travis Gossi, Zeke Pabsky, Zerfall, and the mysterious Cobra Kai. And for my 16-bit supporters, Bill Spear, Boatshead Tavern BBS, Dan Creek, Drone Doctor, Edward Smith, Graham Vebke, Joe Sharippa, John Morrison, Matt Nicholson, Matt Smith, Michael Ryan, Paul Nermix Nermanen, Rick Reynolds, John Hudson Mackay and Scott Van Dresen, Steve Sharippa, Vintage Volts, Zyke, and Mr. Wacky.